It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I was a bouncing and laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. What's up, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of the Always Race Day podcast. It's Monday, October 11th. If you're listening to us, uh, we saw a kick-ass NASCAR race on Sunday. Um, we'll talk that. We're going to talk dirt racing. Spencer Baston uh, getting a win. Tyler Courtney winning uh, the All-Star Circuit Champions title. Um as well as Cody Swanson won the Silver Crown Championship today uh, or on Sunday. I forgot I told him the dates tomorrow. Anyways, let's get into it. I got a uh, closer coming in from the bullpen here, a middle reliever. I don't, I don't know what you uh, – Josh, what do you want to identify as? Uh, I, I think sufficiently enough would, would just be to say uh, you made a call to the bullpen and brought in the middle reliever. How is that? <laughs> I got Josh Betts. Joining me today, Chris and Damon uh, were unable uh, to record with us. Um, and Josh and I usually talk over Zoom uh, once or twice a week. So I figured, why not? He watched the race today. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Roval. I'm going to try to get uh, Tyler uh, and Cody, uh, one or one of the two, or hopefully both, uh, on for Wednesday's episode or Thursday's episode, whatever day it ends up happening. Uh, later this week um, but today we're going to do a lot more NASCAR stuff and we saw an amazing race today action-packed um, whether you know whether whatever you think uh, manufactures action if it was the playoffs if it was a rivalry whatever it was it was crazy uh, which in any way you put it Josh what do you think of it yeah I, I think uh, obviously, the big story, um, the big story aside from Kyle Larson's win, of course, what was kind of the the Chase Elliott Kevin Harvick saga that uh, th- that ended up happening uh, toward the later part of the the final stage. Uh, obviously, Harvick uh, causing the tremendous damage to Chase Elliott's car, and. You know, for me, watching the race, 
Chase Elliott's crew gets the car repaired. And there came a point where I wondered if Chase has the opportunity to see repay the favor to Kevin and not, ne- not necessarily wreck him necessarily, but, you know, get him loose in a corner and get him, um, you know, off the track, you know, or something like that. Obviously, for those who watch the race know, uh, Harvick kind of made that decision himself when he uh, when he went into the wall in turn one. Uh, so there, there ended up not being a need or not being an opportunity for Chase to kind of repay Harvick for his actions earlier in the race. Yeah. So let's, let's go through um, the whole thing. Cause I, so really uh, race is kind of going uh, somewhat normal. Elliot ends up winning the first stage uh, over AJ Allman there. Uh, I really enjoyed the end of that first stage. I thought that was NASCAR's two best road course talents uh, going toe to toe with each other. Um, and you could throw Larson in there probably at, at this point, especially um, I'd still give the nod to Elliot and Almondinger for different reasons. I think they have more wins at them too, better finishes, all that. But um, that was really cool to see Elliot uh, go toe to toe with Almondinger, get another playoff point, which helped him uh, in next week's uh, or in the points going into the next round, I should say. Um, but yeah, so Harvick uh, ends up taking out, uh, chase uh, right around the end of I want to say was it before the end of stage two Josh do you remember I, I don't think I don't think it was I think it was in stage three because I think Elliot still finished second in stage two today and that was a huge yeah that yeah that that third stage being so much longer than the other two um, well that's and, on and, purpose to uh, like not take the strategy out of the racing yeah you know? yeah yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I agree. But it, it's one of those situations where, and it, for me at least, an important moment like that, you know, in that particular situation was hard for me to remember, was at the tail end of stage two or in the early part of stage three. So, so no, I, I, I agree with you there as far as not being initially sure uh, as far as when that occurred. Yeah, so um, I double checked. It was top of stage three. Uh, but Harvick takes out Elliott. Um, they come down pit road. They go down pit road a couple times, stand the lead lap. Um, and they end up actually, <laughs> the tape was the funniest thing because the bumper ended up falling off the car at one point or another. And we'll get to all that. And I, I want to talk vehemently about that. Um, but this big white piece of tape hanging off the back of Chase Elliott's car, it came unstuck. I, I mean, it was on top of the deck lid to kind of hold the bumper in place. And it came off, I mean, within three turns of leaving pit road. And the t- they didn't bother to take it off the car. It's just flailing there like a little flag on the back of his car for at least 40. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Um, they did not. Now, NASCAR left it open uh, for the crews. Uh, at short courses they are much more lenient on body panels coming off the rule they had for the roval was that the back bumper uh or that part whatever you want to call that part i don't know the technical term for it uh does it was not a critical piece that you need to have on the car so now you have to have it to pass inspection and stuff but if it falls off in a racing incident in this case it was then that is why 
you know, you can choose to rip that off. But I think when he came down pit road, it was not as close to falling off as it was when he's running the race. NASCAR called it by the rule books though, that they sent out to teams that that's how they're going to call it this week. I don't think NASCAR was holding the black flag because it's their most popular driver nothing like that. Well, I, I, I would find it interesting though, obviously, as you mentioned, Connor, the, the bumper cover at the Roval is not a, is not a required part. And you, and you certainly uh, described that very well there. What, what I would be interested to find out though, is if that same situation happened to any other driver in the field, not named Chase Elliott, as the bumper cover is hanging on by a thread, you know, not hanging on by much. And it looks like, and it got to the point there in the middle part of stage three, I believe it was, where it looked like it could fall off at any point. If that's any other driver than Chase Elliott having that issue with the bumper cover, is there a black flag shown in your mind? Because for me, I think, I think if that's any other driver than Chase, that they're, that they, that, that NASCAR may have thrown the black flag there. I think, I think you have some backing to what you're saying. Um, but I, I think I look at it as if, if that, if that driver, if this hypothetical happens to a different driver, are they a lap down? Um, or are they making minimum speed? The crazy part of this whole thing was that, and people got to understand, because the people who are watching and thinking like, oh, there's so much damage, there's there's this, there's that. These cars can take that damage, and it won't affect them aerodynamically as it would a Formula One car or an Indy car having a little wing clip um, or something like that come loose, you know, be flailing a little bit. That would completely take an IndyCar guy out of contention anywhere. Chase was faster than 75% of the field with the car as beat up as it was, even with the field not being beat up. I mean, there was this, he was just running people down, trying to play it safe a little bit, and he's still running a great pace, not even surrounded by other drivers. I mean, clear track obviously makes it a little easier. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think if a, the, if a hypothetical driver was a lap down, I think they would black flag him. But I think Chase was on the lead lap, keeping speed. Everything was good. Um, and there's a lot of spots where that bumper, if it came off in a different spot, wouldn't be sitting right in the racetrack. I mean, it'd be shuffled to the side. So I don't know. It's it's a tough call, but I do think by what their rule book said, I I think that was. Okay. And I think they would have, they would have ripped it off if it got to where they were pitting. And I think they would have just adjusted their strategy at the same time. If um, they had a black flag and they had to come down pit road again, would it had, would it have been sketchy on staying on the lead lot? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't think it would have changed much. No. And I, and I, I certainly agree with, with your assessment there um, as, as well on that. I think he came back. I don't even know what he finished, but he was close to the, he was at least top 15. Um, yeah. So I, after Harvick, Rex Elliott, uh, I guess we kind of skipped a little bit ahead. 
Um, but the plan right after when they were first getting back on track, they played the audio on NBC that Chase was openly Chase and Alan Gustafson were convinced for at least 35 seconds that the way to get in into the next round and secure everything and just be safe was to take out Kevin Harvick. Yeah. And just over, you know, we're just openly going to plan to go wreck them on purpose. And NASCAR has set a precedent in years past where if you're both on the lead lap, then you're, you can be pretty racy. I figured that line would get really blurry with, you know, openly admitting, you know, we're going to go wreck this guy. I mean, that, you know, that's usually not something a lot of people are too keen of. I think I would have been fine if they did it. Um, I think if he ends up going and wrecking him, he gets penalized. Uh, and then we're having a debate on whether NASCAR should penalize him or not. And then we're talking about if he's in the playoffs next week. Um, so it works out this way. We, we skip a whole last debate here. Big time. Uh, we, don't need, we don't even need to do that one. But <clears throat> excuse me. Um, no, I think uh, I think you go. I don't think wrecking him would have done anything good for Chase. I think it played out perfectly right now how it should for Chase. And I don't think there will be any more retaliation at the back end of this year. No, no I, I think when, when Harvick wrecked going into turn one there later in the race, at that point, from my perspective, that to me should theoretically kind of end that feud. You know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Chase, you know, on the radio when Harvick was still in the race, you know, mentioning, hey, if I get to him, you know, if I get to him and I wreck him, we can still advance. And I think I think he was going to. I really do. Because when when they asked him uh, after the race, you know, we, were you going to go wreck him if you got the chance? And he said, oh, well, I don't know. And I, he kind of said, like, my my reenactment of Chase Elliott's not very good. Um, but, yeah, he said, he said, I don't know. And I think if he says anything besides, no, I wasn't going to touch him, uh, he's either lying or uh, – okay, wait, I should, I should rephrase how I'm saying this. I'm sorry. Sorry to confuse you all. I think if, if he said no, then you're like, okay, I'd, I'd believe him, you know, not touching him. But he said anything different than no. And it's like, okay, I, I now believe that you were going to wreck him if you had the chance to like a, a dump off and still race, not like a, I'm going to take you and me out at the same time. Yeah. And you, and you tweeted something earlier, the, uh, you, you quote tweeted a tweet from NASCAR during the race earlier today. Yes. Of that audio that you referenced between Alan Gustafson and chase. Yes. And that, and so yeah, NASCAR promoted that um, in a video uh, showing what happened and putting that audio of them openly plotting to wreck Kevin Harvick on national television in a Twitter video for promotion. Go ahead, and, and for what it's worth, Connor, I absolutely agree with you on the two main accounts that you tweeted. Yeah. So I, I should, I'm, I tried, I tried to recap it and I just said what the tweet was. I didn't say what mine was. I, so I said, good for NASCAR for promoting it. 
they should do that. But I said, now we might have that debate. If he does come back and wreck him, you just use this to say, this is good. This is, we're going to promote this because that's interesting. That's something we don't see usually. And that's something that can draw new people in the sport. Um, seeing like, oh, this guy actually wants to wreck him with his car. That's crazy. I need to turn this race on and see if he does it. The issue is, is if you penalize him for doing it after that. Well, and, and I think in that, in that scenario, had Chase wrecked Kevin Harvick, that would have, that would absolutely have been a penalty. I think so too. I think he absolutely would have gotten penalized. In my mind, you can't. It's pretty, it would be pretty tough for anyone to convince me that he wouldn't have gotten penalized. And from my standpoint, if that's any, if that's any driver other than Chase Elliott in that quote unquote feud with Kevin Harvick, if any other driver in the field would have done that to Kevin Harvick, they would have been penalized too, in my opinion. Oh yeah. If they came back and wrecked them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Josh is just saying whoever would openly say we're going to wreck someone and then wreck someone would get penalized after. Yeah. Yeah, yep. And that, you know, that happens more than people want to think. Or maybe, maybe, you know, people do like thinking that because that'd be funny or something, you know, whatever. That happens more than people think on nascar scanners i just can't remember a long time when it has been a big television race and they put it for everyone to hear uh like that just real openly so i mean we were kind of sitting there waiting uh seeing if it's going to happen and all it took was for chase to show his hood in the mirror of kevin harvick's number four car and harvick missed the turn thinking that chase was gonna run over him uh and you know that's he got all the karma that he deserved from that. And I'm not saying that as a Chase Elliott fan, I'm saying that as if you're going to wreck somebody and then you're going to change your driving and make a mistake because they're coming up behind you, that's your own fault. You did it to yourself. And, and it was interesting to me, Connor, the spot where, where Harvick missed, you know, let's remember this race last year, Going into turn one, Chase Elliott puts his car in the tire barrier. This race today, Kevin Harvick, in almost the same spot, misses the tire barrier entirely and ends up hitting the safer barrier directly to, you know, directly, you know, further into the corner um, of turn one. So that that's, that's, that's a wreck. The last two years is almost poetic. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, as I recall, Chase putting the car into the tire barrier last year in that race. I want to say that. I want to say that incident last year. What was a, was a late race restart with just a few laps to go, if I remember correctly. I thought it happened a little earlier. Uh, my my memory's losing on it, but I thought that when I when he did that, um, I go back to that move and kind of say that was one of his like most veteran moves. Of I'm going to go into the softest part of the wall because I missed this turn, and I'm going to try to slow the car down enough and hit a soft spot on the wall so the car is still intact and everything's good on. Well, and definitely, and what stuck out to me as well watching the end of that race 
the the cheers as as Kevin Harvick climbs out of his car and there's a small fire under the hood. Yeah, so there so the cheers were there before the fire because I almost that, that's tweeted, true. That's and I true. didn't want it to sound like that that they were cheering because they saw the fire. It just happened that everyone was already rocking and rolling, hooting, hollering. Was what I was gonna say. Uh, shout out to Ted Plant for that meme. Um, but they were, you know, that was a wild crowd. They loved it. They loved, and they were cheering from the moment Harvick wrecked to when he got out of his car. If that fire gets bigger, I don't think they're cheering for the record as loudly. Um, but also, what a great crowd! I I haven't heard a crowd that invested. Uh, in a NASCAR race that we're hearing them over the engines of the cars on TV. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I should clarify on that because I did not word that very well. Oh no, you're good. Yeah. Um, but, but, but Connor, you, you explained it better than I did in that the cheering that I was referring to was for the simple fact that Kevin Harvick wrecked his race car, you know, not, you know, so that was my error for connecting the cheers of Kevin Harvick wrecking his car. No, you're good. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, I want to say stuff like that too. And like, make sure people know, cause there's a ton of people hating on everything today. And I like, I had to stop for a moment. I'm like, I don't need to be the Twitter cop on this. I did tweet a guy. He's a dirt fan. That was just hating on the playoff system the whole day, but he wasn't hating on it until Kyle Larson started having battery issues to his number five car uh, in the middle of the race. And so Larson like went below the cut line of NASCAR's graphic and Jeff Gluck made a huge deal of it. I don't think he was ever that like his car was work. They got the car fixed, right? Everything was good, but he was never like going to miss. I, I didn't think he was in danger of missing anything as long as they, got the car fixed. They had the plan. They had it figured out. They just had to get to the end of the second stage. He had accrued enough points. No one was passing him and his car was good enough to go out and win the race. So I, all he had to do was finish like 26th. You know, yeah. it was, it was going to take that car completely crapping out, which we have seen Hendrick drop the ball on some stuff like that, but he had that big lead. And this, you know, people arguing about the playoff system. Uh, like I was tweeting that guy. This well, Larson's not close to missing the next round of the playoffs if he doesn't get last at Talladega. Okay. Whether, you know, bad luck, I get it. It was completely bad luck. It was out of his control. Uh, and then they kind of made it worse for themselves after that. But regardless, he got last at Talladega. Yeah. And I, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, did Larson dip below the cut line just for a moment? Um, it was more than a moment, but how they do that, like the points as they run graphic on Fox, it's never, or on NBC, it's never accurate until after the second round of stage points come. Yeah. Because they combine it all. And then, you know, you got people running, like Chase was running behind Rick Ware cars and were like, okay, well, he's got to pass like 12 cars. Do you think he's going to do it? And it's like, he's running 36 behind seven cars that are a minute off the pace. Well, and to, to, to kind of stay, to stay on the topic of Hendrick Motorsports today, um, obviously Kyle Larson wins a race, of course, but 
But what a strategy play by William Byron and Rudy Fugel, too. Yeah, they they tried it, man. Um, and Will drove the crap out of that race car. I loved what I saw out of Byron today. His his season ends along with uh, Kevin Harvick's, um, Christopher Bell's, and Alex Bellman's um, today. But William Byron really drove the crap out of that race car. No one should be hating on his lack of performance or whatever they want to call it. I think I think he was. I think he's been very good today, uh, kind of just solidified ways in the car. No, and, and really, if Byron doesn't doesn't kind of momentarily go off course there, um, you know, kind of in the middle part of that final stage, maybe he's in contention for maybe he's in contention for a win there. And I and I think I think the first thing that occurred was he went momentarily off course. And then, if my memory serves, I, I think he then spun out. Then sometime yeah, he spun after. out at the end trying to race Reddick um, and get by him, and then get up to Larson. I thought that would be interesting because Hendrick gets three cars in the next round if Byron wins. Um, would Larson race him clean? I don't think Larson would move over for him. I asked some. I asked some of my journalist friends that too, and I, yeah, we. I think we all came to the conclusion that Larson's not going to do that unless, uh, you know, some, someone's got to get in his ear. I think that would have been a fun radio to listen to if that happened too. But uh, Byron never got past Reddick. Larson ends up going on to win the race. All is good. People are still hating on the playoff system. I like it. Today happened partially because of the playoff system. Um, and it's a cool-ass track to see it happen at. So, so I, I guess I, I know you, you've been very vocal about you like the playoff system as it stands right now. I, I guess if you if you had an opportunity to make a change to the playoff system, would you make a change? And if so, what would it be? So that's a good that's a good question. You're going to stump me now, Josh. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I would change. Um, I would take Kansas and Texas out of the third round. I know that Homestead's in it next year, along with Martinsville uh, and I think Vegas. Um, yeah, I don't like the big mile and a half tracks that we have that crap package at. Maybe the cars next year drive better on it. Maybe it's a different beast. Um, I can't think. Cause I don't, you know, you don't need a dirt race in the playoffs and you don't need a street race in the playoffs, but having one of each of those on the schedule is really cool. Uh, and I think NASCAR should go for that and have the most diverse schedule of any motorsport series in the world. So I, I like that aspect, but I don't think they need to be in the playoffs. So I would probably just take the mile and a half out of the later rounds. I, I had one thought as far as, Oh, that's I, I've. I'm, this is a recycled take now, but go somewhere other than Phoenix if it's going to be a one race championship every time. Move it around. Well, well, I'm I'm in agreement with you there on. But Phoenix sold out that race like a week ago. When I heard that, that changed my mind a little bit on Phoenix. And and if memory serves correctly, I believe they sold out last year as well. Yeah, uh, it it appears to be vibing down there driving um so it, it's working right now uh, but yeah it, it fits a one race championship um 
I don't think we should go there twice if it's a one race championship. Um, I don't know what you would do differently to that track or take, or it's, there's a lot of logistics that go into it and it's not just as simple as that. Uh, but I would like to see them go to different tracks for each title race. Um, wherever that may be, you know, and you can't, I know, I know. Cause if you go to a road course, you're just taking any guy who's not good on a road course and throwing them under the bus and you can't go to a super speedway and you could go to a short track, but eh, I don't know. You know, my, my one, my one thought that I had, um, that, that one, uh, one change or adjustment I would make isn't directly related to the playoffs, but it might be interesting for NASCAR to take a page out of IndyCar's book and maybe have the crown jewel races pay double points. Yeah. And that's something, you know, um, I think they took one away with the brickyard. You know, I'd like to see him go back to the brickyard. So, um, I don't think they, I don't think the crown jewel ones need to pay double points. I don't, I don't think you're getting, cause you know, the playoff system is mostly based on wins. The only time you're using points is when you're, you know, arguing tiebreakers and stuff and late in the season stuff. So I think when you double point it, it's, it's a little different, but I do like double points in IndyCar. That's, that's the thing. People want to say there's gimmicks and stuff. There's gimmicks in every form of racing. Indy has double points. NHRA has their playoff system. That, that guy I tweeted today was referencing how IndyCar and NHRA don't have gimmicks. And th- very openly, they have gimmicks. Yes. There's major dirt late model races with an invert that the drivers don't know before the end of uh, their qualifying stuff. Like, they don't know the invert going into the next day until after all the heat races are done. And then they find out the invert. Like, that. that's a giant gimmick. Any kind of an invert's a gimmick. You're, we're going to put the fast cars farther back in the pack because you're faster. We're penalizing you because you're faster, and we want the racing to be cooler. So we're going to put the fast cars in the middle and then see if they go forward. That's It's all a gimmick. Like, just watch it and watch it play out. I'm thankful we have it because when we go to these late race season, late races in the season, like Kansas and Texas coming up, the race could freaking suck. But damn it, I'm gonna be watching that playoff race. I'm gonna be watching the point standings all next three weeks. You know. Yep. No, I agree. Um, yeah, and as far as you know, for me, if if we're you know, because I, I know my original question for you was what specific change would you make to the playoffs? And my answer was not directly connected to the playoffs, but, you know, for me, Connor, I don't know that I would make any changes to the playoff system. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I would to the actual system, maybe just championship race. Iowa speedway every year. If I get, if I get to make one change. I I mean, you, you know, we're in agreement there. So, (laughs) Absolutely. Um, let's look at the points real quick uh, before we move on to anything. Uh, yeah, so after we talk about this, um, probably preview Texas a little bit, uh, and then I'll move on. We'll, we'll do a little bit of dirt racing with Josh. He doesn't, you know, it, it's tough to pay for 
dirt vision and flow racing and keeping up with it. And Josh covers you and I football uh, in the Missouri Valley uh, better than anyone I know. Uh, so he's, that takes up a lot of his weekends. Um, so he might not be as crisp on it as we are here, but that's okay. Nonetheless, we're going for it. Um, so Larson goes into the next round with a 42 point lead on the cutoff. I would say right now that looks to be his ticket to Phoenix. If he doesn't win one of these races <clears throat> and I think he can win Kansas and Texas. I don't think he can win Martinsville. Um, but that's, that's a Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin track. So we'll see if, uh, yep. if those two come up there. Um, after that though, it gets real tight. Denny Hamlin is plus seven. Martin Truex Jr. is plus six. Ryan Blaney is plus one. And then on the back half, currently out, um, Kyle Busch is minus one. Chase Elliott is minus two. Logano's minus 11. Keslowski is minus 16. So tight race there. It's really going to come down, Josh. And I think for fans of all the drivers of these eight, if your guy doesn't win at Kansas and your guy doesn't win at Texas, you want to see someone who's not in the playoffs currently win because otherwise it takes one spot away that you can make it on points coming out of Martinsville. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you, 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 you mentioned um, Texas coming up on Sunday and then Kansas uh, the week following that, you know, it's interesting counter. Um, you know, when I think about Texas, that when looking ahead to Sunday, um, when I think about Texas and the playoff drivers, uh, Kyle Larson's been good on the mile and a half. A guy currently on the wrong end of the cut line going into the next round, Brad Keselowski's good at, at uh, has had a lot of success at Texas. Um, but, you know, you mentioned there, you know, the potential for a non-playoff driver, um, you know, to perhaps win and, you know, and, if, and, and that if you're, if you're the four above the cut line, that's maybe not necessarily what you want to see. Um, I think, I think anywhere you're at in the playoffs, if you're not winning that race, you want someone who's not in the playoffs to win it because you yeah. want more of a spot on the bubble to get there. And, you know, it's interesting, a name, a name that comes to mind when we're talking about Kansas and Texas and we're talking about non-playoff drivers is a guy that was involved in, in a lot of the uh, – a lot of the dramatics and was around the cut line the last two weeks. Kansas, when you when when I think about Kansas and Texas, and drivers not currently in the playoffs, Kevin Harvick's name jumps to the forefront at those two tracks for me. Yeah, we'll see. That'd be probably you know I don't know how their team. I haven't we haven't seen them get out this early. I don't know how their team's going to go about it um, and go about racing these uh, races. I don't. I yeah. I don't think he'll be – I think he might get a top 10 finish, but I don't think he'll win. Well, and w w while, we're, while we're kind of discussing Harvick here, he has just seemed to, to me to just – something's been off all year with that team. 
Yeah, they haven't uh, been able to put anything together completely to have a race win. And I know Denny Hamlin was uh, the pride of that, but playoffs come, you flip a switch. And Denny Hamlin should be on the win at the Indy Road course. But playoffs come, you flip a switch, you do something different, uh, and boom, he gets two wins. And I know it looks like NASCAR – it's easy to look at what the standings are right now especially the way I put the graphic on our website um, and say, oh, hey, there it is. All that matters in NASCAR is if you win the race. I think what the standings right now show is the big thing is that the top drivers from across the season are still in the playoffs because they raced there. They got, you know, that's, it's by design is like the good drivers are still left the elite ones, I should say. Uh, Kyle Larson, seven wins. Hamlin, two wins in the past six races. Uh, Martin Truex, four wins. Blaney, three. Kyle Busch, two. Elliott, two wins. Joey Logano, he won Bristol Dirt. Keselowski, he won a race at Dega, I think. Um, They all have wins because those were the top eight most consistent drivers, and they're driving their tails off. Like, that's why they're still in. So I think I think that like that should show the playoff system is working. Yeah, and and and, and we and we know we know consistency is always an important factor in the playoffs. You know, we we've seen drivers advance in earlier rounds on points if they can you know stack three top five finishes on top of each other. Now, now as we start the round of eight here coming up this week. To, to me, the focus, you know, when, when we when when we get through the round of eight and look back at it in preparation for Phoenix, my thinking is that that it, that it very well could be three drivers winning races to take up three of the four spots. Yeah, and it usually is. Usually, we don't see people who are in the playoffs win races. Um, whether that be a strategy thing, whether it's just luck. Uh, luck of the draw thing or what we usually haven't seen it today. We almost saw it again. Um, I think AJ Allmendinger wins that race. If he doesn't blow his ending. Yeah. I mean, kind of a, a, a tale of two days for AJ, obviously uh, winning the Xfinity race and then, and then falling out of the race relatively early today uh, with an issue. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're hundred percent right. If if AJ Allmendinger doesn't have the issue with the car, he's up there in contention for the win. I completely agree. Yeah, and I think uh, you wanted to talk Xfinity a little bit. I gotta say, I've been pretty good on the bets lately. Got three race winners in a row. Well, um, as you know, um, as you know, I'm not involved with sports wagering uh, currently. But, um, you know, I do, I, I do remember a few weeks back uh, sending you a message uh, on social media and giving you a bit of a hard time because of a, a 0 for 4 or 5 slump, if I recall correctly. Yeah, we've and, gone uh, through a couple of them this year. And, We're okay now. In picking winners. So, yeah, right. for, for those – for for those who follow your picks, uh, yeah, you've uh, you've likely made them a little bit of money here the last uh, couple of weeks. 
I hope so. That's the best is when I get people messaging me like, oh, hell yeah, Connor, we did it. And I'm not, you know, saying you're wrong uh, if you're not doing it. But I bet along with you guys, I don't just pick these. I put them in my account. I bet them as well. I actually lost money because I put money on the bonus bet of Almondinger out racing those other three. Uh, thinking like that was easy. Uh, so I actually lost money because I did, I put that in too, but um, yeah, we're, we'll keep it going. We picked the winner uh, on Larson. I always pick three drivers. Usually one of them's a long shot, maybe two. Just depends. I, I thought, I thought maybe I would, um, maybe I would mention this as well. Um, but a little bit of news uh, this morning uh, that uh, came out uh, at Charlotte looking ahead to the 2022 season. Um, Ty Dillon driving a full-time uh, cup car for GMS racing. Uh, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, you're dude. It's awesome. I love Ty. Uh, very nice guy. I I've seen, I've seen and heard rumors of him uh, partying with uh, fans, Iowa speedway after the races and stuff and just being a good guy. Um, yeah, NASCAR could use stuff like that. Uh, not saying they don't have enough right now. Nothing like that. I, I like Ty. I hope that goes really well for him. I know GMS wants him to be a big thing. Uh, their owner said he's 65 and he's not going to be around for too long. He he wants Ty to be what Jeff Gordon was for HMS uh, when he started racing. He wants Ty to be there for the rest of his career. So it's good to have a team with that much backing uh, for Ty and all that. And hopefully uh, they get off on the right foot here and, We'll see. Uh, as we've seen, too, it's uh, tough to start a new team. You know, Bubba Wallace is, whether you want to call it a Joe Gibbs car or basically a Joe Gibbs car or completely separate, it's a new team. There's struggles with it. It's hard to do. If you reply to me and you say Kyle Larson's with a new team, he's not. It's the same team from last year who had a different driver. It's just now Kyle driving the car. So, also, Cliff Daniels he had a bonehead call again today. Larson's crew chief. He said, he said, you're like a quarter lap short on fuel. So if the race went green, like there's a chance that Larson's going to run out of gas. He was like one of the first ones to come down on the green flag pit cycle. He had no reason that he had to pit on that lap. Yeah, no, I was, I, I still can't figure it out. I've gone back and watched like that segment of the race. I can't figure out why they came in that lap. If that's what, you know, I, I was bone. I was like, what, what are you doing? Why? Well, yeah, and one thing, when, you know, while we're somewhat on the subject of pit strategy, one thing I don't remember last year is the drivers, you know, pitting right before two to go, right before the pits close, to take tires and then come back down um, at the stage end and then just taking fuel there i don't remember seeing that in last year's race at the roval and that was and i don't know i don't know what announcer did that um i do know what you're talking about uh i don't think they came back down and got fuel there's no need to the first stage was 25 laps right there's no need to they can make it 35 on fuel i don't think they came back down and pit now nascar knew they would have that issue what happens with the rovals it's it's in that cutoff stage can break uh, kind of where the points are at that there's 12 guys that are racing should be racing. Well, it goes down to like nine guys. Cause 
that are racing for stage points because the other ones are like, oh, well, we got to win or we're going to go home anyway. So you just get that amount of people who aren't racing for stage points and they're racing for track position. And at a road course like that, very, very important to have the track position because the fast cars are going to rise. But if you're not the best driver, you're not going to be able to navigate all the traffic as well. So they needed the track position a lot more today. And it's just like a mix of that. You know, you, you just get more of that at the Roval. And, and for, for me, Connor, I think from my personal opinion standpoint, I think the Roval is probably my favorite road course out of all of them. Oh, by far. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite tracks on the schedule. Now, I'd have to spend a lot of time ranking them, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely my favorite road course. I think it, uh, the first one too, I remember the first race they did, they were having practice sessions, Josh. I don't know if you remember this about four years ago, they were having practice sessions, uh, before and, um, like when they con first constructed the course and trying to figure out the kinks and stuff, there was drivers that were just like lap 17 of their test session, just going off the track into a barrier. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was bad. It, we thought it was going to be the most massive dump that NASCAR has ever going to put on the track. And it was going to be crazy and all this. And uh, they did have a little bit too many billboards <laughs> sitting in the grass in the past, which has resulted in some free advertising for some people, which is good. Uh, it's interesting to see, but uh, it's turned into a home run. And this is what I'm saying when I, when I talk about NASCAR going to these tracks in the first year sucking because they didn't do something right. Hopefully it's like this. They learn from it and it turns into a big event like this. The Roval is now one of the most popular races of the year. I think four years ago, you tell someone that they don't, they probably wouldn't believe you. So I, you know, I, I enjoy um, the track a lot. And I think if NASCAR can have a couple attempts everywhere to get everything right, then it does turn into what they wanted. Yeah. I, I, I think with, with road courses, I think we're up to, is it six or seven? I believe it was going to uh, be, it was going to be six. Um, right. Was it five or I think it was going to be six. And, uh, because California was still shut down in February, they couldn't race at auto club. Um, so Daytona's road course took over that spot on the schedule. I don't, the Daytona road course is not back on the schedule next year. I don't believe, is it? I don't think it is. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I don't think it, I don't think but, it is. But I, I guess where I was going with that point is, um, is, is that too, too many road courses and not enough short tracks um, for you on the schedule? Or I think the only thing there's too many of is mile and a half tracks. Okay. That's you know, fair. I think, I think if we're going to take anything away, we should take away from there. Um, now, we did take away from there to add more road courses. Do we want more short courses like NASCAR has grown up with? Uh, or do we want to be racing at the Circuit of the Americas, which is just a big F1 track? You know, you, you can argue both ways. I think if for some reason Circuit of the Americas doesn't look cool next year, then give it one more try and see. Uh, do we need Indianapolis's road course on the schedule? That's my beef. Race the Brickyard. Yeah, there's been there's been some bad races on the brickyard. I know. Um, I'd like to see them get it all 
figured out and everything like that. But and and and, and I agree with you. There's been some some races on the oval that 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 have not been that great in terms of action on the track. But you know what, what I think is important for not only the fans, but for but but for um, you know people like uh, yourself and myself, Connor, that watch every week, and you know, in your case, cover the sport. We don't know what any of these tracks are going to look like next year when you put the next gen car on. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, Dude, we could hit a real cold streak next year betting. I will, I will remind you guys that things could be way different. You know, we, we've seen NASCAR put out a package on a super speedway where, oh, hey, we have an hour practice session. All of a sudden, we figured out that two cars are faster than three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. So we're just going to have two cars drafting with each other the entire race. And the only thing that matters is the last five laps. We, you know, could that happen again? Not intentionally but yes yes it could you know this we could see a lot of stuff next year there's gonna be guys trying to game the system trying to fix everything trying to not fix like rigged don't don't tinfoil hat me here but there's gonna be people you know competitive edge is gonna be huge next year uh and i i really think the hardest working teams are gonna rise to the top No, 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 I agree. I mean, I, obviously, obviously, there's a lot of unknowns with the next gen car, but, but you know, I, I think you're right in that the the teams that typically have a lot of success uh, will continue to do that in 2022. Um, what's interesting though, with the next gen car, could this help the smaller teams? Yeah, I think I think it brings everyone closer together. Just because of the amount of unknowns, you know. Yeah, and I guess my thought would be to level the playing field a little bit more, and and maybe close that gap to a certain extent in in one area. Actually, might not be a bad thing. Yeah, and they've uh, that was kind of what that whole five fifty package was kind of supposed to do is bring them a little closer together, I think. And um, I suppose it, it did for the start of it, but that, you know, that, that was just because it was new. So you can't change everything like that to make it new for everybody um, every year and do all, all that stuff. But I do like how the schedule's changing and stuff. I think that keeps it close enough, but you know, you're still, you got better money, you got better resources, you got better guys working for you. You should be the better teams. Um, and we're kind of seeing that too. No, 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 I, I agree completely with you. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, we uh, talked a lot about last year, um, but we are or next year. I mean, um, but for some series we're wrapping up uh, and putting the bow and finishing touches on stuff. Um, and I just wanted to cover a little bit of that from the dirt side and we will go further into it on the dirt side this week, guys. I, it was Josh's uh, asphalt, a pavement fan, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I didn't want to throw him into the fire and have him break down Spencer Baston's world of allies win that he didn't see. Well, well, just, I'll just mention real quick. Um, I am a, I, I do enjoy dirt racing. I, I consider myself to be a dirt racing fan. 
because Josh has watched a few World of Allies races with me. I mean, it, he's not he's not a hater a hater of it at all. What, what what I will say, and Connor, you mentioned it well earlier. My knowledge base and and level of knowledge of dirt racing is nowhere close to and an understanding of dirt racing is nowhere near my understanding and experience watching of NASCAR. So 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 yes, uh, Connor will be. I would imagine uh, primarily uh, leading the way much more in in this uh, dirt discussion. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll contribute a bit uh, if if I have a question or a point to make. But the the dirt segment here will primarily be Connor uh, leading the way. Yeah, we'll keep it somewhat short. Um, Spencer Baston uh, in his uh, second weekend with CJB Motorsports, I believe it was his fourth race, uh, gets a win. Uh, with the World of Allies at Port Royal Speedway. That's good for those guys. In beginner's luck, uh, happens a lot in sprint car racing. It's crazy how much uh, we we kind of see guys getting with new teams and get, shooting out of the gates early, like doing really well. Um, and then it doesn't always stay like that. So I think uh, it's a great start, great momentum, though. You're not, you're not going to complain about a win, seeing a guy win. Um, we'll see where they kind of take this next step. And we kind of talked to him about that. We had him on uh, a few podcast episodes back. If you're interested, go listen. That was Spencer Baston. Um, great kid. I'm big fan of his. So I was glad to see him win. Um, on the other uh, sprint car tour, Cole Macedo gets his first all-star circuit of champions win. Um, congrats to him. Big time for uh, that team uh, and what they're doing over there. And Tyler Courtney, uh, comes home with the all-star circuit of champions uh, title or championship. Uh, a lot of saying champion a lot in the ASCOC stuff. Um, but that was, you know, it was, it was expected after he won the Kings Royal that Tyler Courtney was going to run away with that one. Um, and we'll see if they declare, we'll see if they uh, go world of allies racing. I wrote a story. I said, I wouldn't mention it in the story that he might. Uh, I said, I'd let him celebrate. Now I, I want to know. Let me know tomorrow. Are, are you guys declaring uh, declaring or not for the World of Outlaws in 2022? Um, and that'd be cool. Spencer Basin against Tyler Courtney for Rookie of the Year. I think it'd be great to see. I don't think there's much left to win uh, or prove in the All-Star Circuit Champions uh, Tour. And I think they have the uh, monetary backing to go with the World of Outlaws uh, and to go on that tour. It's just tough to do because you're racing every weekend. They have a rear off weekend next week. I think it's their first or second on the schedule all season. So um, we'll see what kind of transpires there. The only other thing I really wanted to highlight was the uh, USAC Silver Crown. Cody Swanson beat out Logan Seavey. Um, Swanson qualified on the pole. Seavey was like 14th, and Swanson's a really good pavement racer. Uh, so it, kind of, it was kind of done after qualifying. Um, or you kind of thought so. Um, but Cody Swanson, his sixth USAC Silver Crown Championship. Please, I'm begging you guys on the top national tours in IndyCar and NASCAR, give Cody Swanson like three or four rides, man. Give him something. He can make a car work. He won with SRX this year. Good driver, um, deserving win today. Uh, Lucas Oil A Model Series also. They wrap up their season next week, and Tim McCready will be the champion. Um, and we're kind of getting down the nitty gritty of the season here. We have the off season calendar and stuff. I'm getting it locked and loaded on the website. 
keep an eye out on that. We're going to try to get as many um, quote-unquote off-season winter weather uh, races um, that are going on as much as we uh, can, and uh, we're looking forward to a great winter. Um, and always race day is going to be at the Chili Bowl, so look for that this winter too, uh, and we'll have a ton of stuff previewing next season uh, and future stuff like that. So we'll have a lot to talk about. Don't don't worry. We're not going anywhere. Just real, just real quick, Connor, I didn't realize you were uh, covering the Chili Bowl in January. That's pretty awesome. Yep, I'll be uh, heading down to Tulsa. I think I'm going to end up uh, staying with Matt Weaver, so I'll be in experience. Love Matt. Great guy. Uh, we'll see if I can annoy Matt by the end of the seven days. Yeah, Matt, Matt does a great job uh, with his work. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So we're going to try to do as much as we can the offseason with that stuff and, you know, catching these races. If you want, if you see something uh, that you uh, want us to cover, uh, send us, you know, kind of who's uh, looking at it or just the race title, I'll research it. Uh, and we'll try to get as many of these on, you know, it's not called always race day for no reason. We want to try to make sure it's almost always race day. And with that, I think uh, we'll wrap this up. Josh, did I forget anything? Uh, not that I can think of, but just uh, real quick, I appreciate you uh, asking me to join you tonight. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, I know uh, typically Chris or Damon usually uh, sit in, of course, but um, certainly I know I know that you know that I'm a big fan of uh, of the website and the work that you and Chris and Damon do. So uh, it's it, I I was I was glad to see that you uh, asked me to fill in tonight, and uh, hopefully I didn't do uh, too terrible of a job. So thanks. No, you were great. We we've been getting the explicit tag on the podcast too much because uh, I've been ranting too much. I needed you to come in here, clean it up. Um, and do that. And you just, you did exactly that for me, Josh. I appreciate it a ton. We got some stars hockey to watch this week too. That, that, that's true. I know, uh, I, I know we're both excited for uh, the season to start and uh, actually uh, we'll be taking in a game in person in December. So uh, I know, I know we're looking forward to that and uh, to have a chance to uh, see each other and hang out for a weekend. So that'll be good. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Josh and I are going to head down to St. Louis in December. But you all take care. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, let me know if you want to advertise. I want to go to bat for your company. I want to kick your rival's butt. As Is that clean enough, Josh? Josh is giving me an approving look. It's like you stopped yourself, Connor. Good. Let me know. We're always looking for people. Uh, and I'd love to uh, partner with some guys. So tell your friends about us. I uh, hope you all enjoyed. Let me know what we can do better. Um, and that's it. So long. Thanks, guys.